Thank you so much for downloading this as ever, you wonderful, wonderful creature. Uh, I hope you had a really good week, a really difficult week for me this week. I don't normally talk about these kind of things on here, but um, I feel it's really important this week. Uh, I lost a really dear friend of mine uh, last Monday. Um, who was absolutely integral in not only me setting up Passion Pods and all these wonderful conversations that I have with these incredible people, but pretty much like everything behind a mic that I've ever done, he has been part of or encouraged or supported me in. Um, and yeah, he really is one in a million. And so it feels really only right that this week's Passion Pod is dedicated to the wonder that is Ashley Doyle. Uh, it is the last of the San Francisco series. Great story about how I got to chat to Ching Lee, who's the founder of Sprogs. It's another food one. No surprises there. More chat about munching. Uh, and I spotted these lovely little snacks in a supermarket I was in, in San Francisco while I was there. And they were so delicious and such a good idea. They're like basically little cubes of rice with loads of delicious bits and pieces in. And I saw on them that they were made in San Francisco. So I thought, all right, I can hunt someone down here uh, and track down Ching Lee in her kitchen um, in the back of beyond in San Francisco. So trudged my way there and had a quick natter with her. And I can't tell you how awesome it was to see that in a supermarket and then come home with this passion pod, which I can now share with you. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. So as ever, enough of me, over to Ching Lee. You're listening to Passion Pod number 67 with Sprouts. Uh, so Sprogs, in a nutshell, yes. if I sort of arrived at a party and I asked you what you did, how right. would you define Sprogs in a couple of sentences? Yes, we make fresh snacks. So we are trying to take um, the convenience and fun and craveability of you know traditional packaged, processed, shelf-stable, never-go-bad stuff and do that with fresh, wholesome, real food that does go bad because we feel like good food goes bad. It's normal. We should all eat more fresh food. Yes. That's a challenge though, right? Yes, we'll come to that later. Okay. Um, tell me your background, Sweet. What's your, how did you get into founding Sprogs? Mm-hmm. Have you been in the food industry before? Or? I have. I'm an accidental entrepreneur, but I'm not accidental to the food industry. So I spent, um, I spent 15 years in corporate America, 10 years in the large food industry. So I went to business school. I have always loved brands. I worked at General Mills. Um, then I ran the Hagen Dazs business uh, in North America for Nestle. Wow. And then I was at Diamond Foods, which um, makes kettle chips. They, they acquired kettle chips. And I, to be honest, I loved my career. I loved what I did. I was a marketing and product development person. Um, but a few years ago, two things started to bother me. <laughs> so on the professional front, I think working for very large companies, I, I started to get tired of seeing every idea go through death by a thousand cuts. And um, I love food, and we would come up with brilliant ideas that always, at the end of you know the process, would be highly mediocre and heavily processed, and never, never really retain the spirit of the original idea. So I think on a professional basis, I was itching to do something with a little bit more freedom. And on the personal level, I'm a mom. I have two young kids. Um, young kids snack constantly, so my purse was always filled with snacks. And one day I was going through looking in my purse and I, it suddenly dawned on me, I felt like I was carrying dog food for them all the time because it was bags of crackers, bags of bars, bags of chips. And every, you know, I buy high quality things that are organic, non-GMO, low sugar, blah, blah, blah. Um, but they never go bad. They were all shelf stable items that you could carry in your purse for years and still eat. And I just thought, there's, there's gotta be a better way. Why do we eat so much pantry stuff? Um, you know, in this country and in our lives, and myself included, because on my commute, you know, I'm to and from running around, I would eat bars constantly. Um, 
There's lack of options though, isn't um, it? Well, there's a lot of options, but there's not a lot of convenient options that you can carry with you uh, or that require no thinking and no effort, right? So if you are really purist, living in California, we have access to amazing produce, amazing ingredients. You could cook yourself wonderful meals. We also have wonderful restaurants. You can eat out at wonderful you know, restaurants and eat healthy and delicious, amazing foods. But I think most people today do a lot of their eating not at home and not in a restaurant, at on work, at school, on the go, traveling. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we eat a lot of stuff that I don't feel so good about. I'm really so. interested. Sorry to jump back. Yeah. In the process, you know, you were talking about looking at products and mm. they're not then coming to fruition. Right. What was the main hindrance in that, were you finding? Was it cost? Because cost That's is... a great question. Um, here's the thing. You, you read a lot of press about the food industry being evil. It's really not true. We're not smart enough, um, you know, to, to have a master conspiracy. What, what is broken is the structure of the food industry. And what I mean by that is for large companies to have any profit, to make any money, and, you know, money is required to pay your employees and to survive. Um, what, what has happened is that the only way people can make money in food traditionally is with massive economies of scale. And that means that food has to be centrally manufactured, you know, in one location and then distributed across the country, you know, all over the place, which takes time. And then as a result of the product having to be shipped and, and there are, you know, requirements on time, then all of a sudden you process it so that it doesn't go bad and you spend more money on packaging than on the ingredients and you add preservatives so that it can still taste decent. And so there's layer upon layer so interesting of things to hear. that make it um, really, I, I felt impossible, you know, to deliver high quality, nourishing, simple food in for the large industry. And um, I believe that the food industry is changing. I think that consumers are demanding more transparency. They're demanding higher quality. They're willing to pay for higher quality. I think there are so many exciting changes on the landscape that the future of food is fresh. I think it's too hard for large companies to do that. Um, not that it's so easy for small companies. Either. I was just going to say, so, but when you're a small one, boom, it's as easy as that. Yeah. So, no, so that's, that is brilliantly, that comes straight to it. So, Sprogs, how do you, how does that then work, small scale, I yes. guess? Is that this how? Is, I'll just say this, this is the hardest and scariest thing I've ever done. And you're a mother, so that you're is quite something. Right. <laughs> right. I always feel, having no kids myself, that that must be the hardest and scariest. Yes. Well, when you're a mom, you learn how to get more out of your day. Yeah. You yeah, I mean, doing it when you're a mom as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, so let's backtrack. So just following on from, from that stuff, Sprogs is everything that that is, isn't it? It is fresh, it is convenient. It is fresh. So you have got all the things yes. that you were, want, you were frustrated at yes. into I, a product. Yes. yes, we're really excited about the product. It is fresh. It is a food that I feed my own kids, that I feel really great about eating, that I feel really good about my kids eating. I have you know, no guilt as a marketer or as a food maker making the food and selling the food. We use great ingredients. It's very simple. You could make it in your own home if you really wanted to. That's how clean and simple it is. So the, the product, I think, is really fantastic. Um, the business model is challenging. It's exciting, but also challenging. There are a lot of things we have to figure out because obviously I still have to pay the bills and, and make it a profitable business. Um, and I learn every day how hard it is to do that with Fresh. So That's the bottom line, basically, isn't yes. it? And that's what's so much of a barrier to entry, I imagine, for so many people that are mm -hmm. wanting to set stuff up is all those things that you've talked about. Right. You're coming up against that over and over. Right. But you know, to not be too negative right. about it, you're doing it and you're yes. creating it yes. and it's out there. And, and that's why it's worth doing. I mean, I, I tell everyone that 
if I were just doing it for an easy way to make a buck, I would not have. <laughs> I chose the wrong idea. This ain't in the game. Um, but the re- you know what makes it hard is also what makes it worth doing. We have to push fresh. We have to prove to the industry and to the world that fresh can be done scalably and profitably, and that's the goal. So it's a good goal to have, my love. <laughs> um, so tell me, like challenges. Okay, so it's making the main thing. Obviously, is making a profit mm-hmm. out of that the mm-hmm. sort of fresh ingredients. What other things have you personally found challenging yes. about sort yeah. of founding your own company? Oh, wow. Founding my own company. Well, everything is hard. Um, I think psychologically, it's a big barrier. I've always been uh, very cooperative, collaborative, obedient, team player. I like being part of a team. Starting a company is everything opposite. Is everything opposite. You know, the buck stops with you. There is no safety blanket. There is no boss. But you realize that there are a lot of nice parts about having a boss. Um, So you feel very isolated and very exposed. Um, and, it, and it's lonely. You know, it's so lonely. you're doing it on your own. You're, you haven't got a f- co-founder or anything like that. I have a, a really great friend, a longtime high school friend who recently joined to help with sales and business development. Oh, how fun. So that's made a huge difference emotionally to have a partner um, and someone to share the emotional burden. So yeah, that's I bet. Um, before then, it was it was myself. And then I have a great team of people in the kitchen. You know, in the beginning, I, I did all the cooking with my nanny. <laughs> yeah, and you know, now I've demoted myself, so I pitch in and help with dishwashing and packaging, but we have great cooks in the kitchen, and I have a friend who's helping with sales and business development, and, and really, because we're so small, everything. She also helps with dishwashing and making deliveries and bookkeeping and invoicing and all the little details. But yes, it's a, it's a big change to go from working for a company with management, with resources, with structure, to flying solo with no resources, no you know safety blanket, and uh, and no ego candy. Yeah, that's so true though. Yeah, and it's so like or either way to have anyone that's kind of monitoring or aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find that as a freelance, you come home from your day and you're like, so I did all this stuff today. Does mm-hmm. anyone want to hear about right. it? Like, I did quite right. cool things, but you know, I don't right. want to bore my friends again with right. it. You know, it's a real right. shift, especially I imagine coming from the background that you've come. Yeah. you know, work wise with that, like. That is such a contrast. It's very engaging. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to there put it. There are no it. autopilot moments. Yeah. yeah. So tell me financially, did you get any, um, I mean, setting up any business is difficult, but mm-hmm. did you get any investment or anything to I set did. your company? I did. So when I started, I, I started with a slightly different product idea. Um, and I That's raised, quite interesting. Yeah. I raised money from friends and family um, to do that idea. Was and it still healthy snacks? It was. It was. It was healthy food for kids. Okay. So I don't know what you have in the UK, but in the States, we have a big product called Lunchables. Right. It's a lunch kit that's filled with crackers, cheese, deli meat that kids adore because it's fun. It's compart- It's a little compartment box that it's fun to eat. It's, you know, it's kind of the poster child of everything that's wrong with American food. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's feed it to our kids. And, uh, but it's a huge business. It's a huge industry. And, uh, and I thought it was interesting. I am a mom who loves to cook, who's good at cooking, who's really involved in the food world. And yet every day packing my kids' lunch drove me crazy. And I thought, why isn't there a better solution you know, then Oscar Mayer Lunchables um, for moms who are a little more forward-thinking and innovative and want style and health and creativity in their kids' lunchboxes. So that's that's originally where I started, and um, after pursuing that for a while, I mean, it was it was misguided for many reasons, um, but ended up honing in on Sprague's rice scooters, which are very similar in the sense that they solve the center of plate problem. Sometimes you create a day where you, I don't want to put another peanut butter sandwich in the lunchbox. I don't want to put another thermos of mac and cheese. What can I feed my child that is balanced and has protein and whole grains and, and I feel good about them eating as their quote-unquote main course? So that's where scooters 
came from. It was really, it was an iteration of the original idea. And then what I found after we started selling was that it wasn't just for kids. And that's so great. Which is great, because yeah. I don't believe that kids and adults should eat different food. Yeah, so. that's a really good point. Yeah. But it's so nice, because it means that, I, I really like hearing that, that. The journey, it shows you that what you start out with often is totally, not totally different, right. but you look at that sort of... Um, you do, you have to be open yeah. to changing. And you have to know when not to change as well, and that's really hard to navigate. Yeah, especially in like knowing how long to do stuff for yes. and things. I imagine that's really difficult. Yes. Um, what advice do you wish you'd been given when you started out? Is there anything that you wish you'd been told? That's a great question. Um, it's my favorite one. I know, because <laughs> I'll be really honest. If I had known everything that I was going to experience in this process, up front, I never would have done it. It was the combination of kind of naivete and foolishness. <laughs> All the good um, things, darling. Impulse that you know drove me to take the leap i had no idea how hard this would be on every level financially emotionally physically you know intellectually every part about it so um i don't know that there is any advice that really can set someone up i, I think that you start and then you find out if it feels worth it to you or not and so far it feels worth it so i, I would say that i if i'd known everything i was going to get into i never would have done it but i'm still glad i'm doing it and hopefully I continue to feel that way. That's just <laughs> magic. There's moments in these when I'm like, la, that was a real one of those. You've been listening to Passion Pod 67 with Sprox. It's true. It is true. If you're listening to this and you haven't started, she speaks the truth, but that is not enough reason to put you off. So that is it from our stateside bunch. If you want to listen to any more of the ones that we did in San Francisco, they are up online. Go to passionpods.co.uk or you can find them on iTunes. We are back in London next week. I know. Feet firmly planted on UK soil um, and chatting to an underwear designer, no less. I know. Ooh, uh, indeed. So, yeah, so that should be a good one. Uh, so don't forget to join us then. In the meantime, just a little reminder, we do send out a monthly newsletter. So if you've missed any bits or want to get on involved in that, head to passionpods.co.uk and you can see the little newsletter bar up there that you can sign up to. Thank you so much, as ever, for listening. More this week than ever. I'll be seeing you next week. <laughs>